0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 92. My name is Brad. I'm joined as always by my dear friend, co-conspirator, Austin Loop. Austin, how you doing?
1: Good morning. I'm Good doing morning. excellent. How about Good. yourself?
0: I am all right. I am not fully awake yet, but it's fine. It's okay. We'll make it happen. We can do that. <laughs> make it happen today. So we are excited to be back. For those of you who listened to our last episode with with uh, some special guests, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the worship song draft. I had a blast. thought it was hilarious. The, 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 the three of them... Together in a room, <laughs> trying to record something, is a task that uh, is not easily accomplished. I believe that. So, believe the fact that we got 59 minutes of content is, is, is pretty good. Also, I know you, you. as of this recording, you hadn't listened to it yet, but did you look at the list? Did you see...
1: I saw some of them, the list? yeah. So I, I saw you, some of yours.
0: I need you to go look at the list real quick, because I want to say it over the air, because I want people to listen to it if you haven't. But I want to know which one gets your vote. Real quick, and then we're gonna start talking about what we're gonna talk about. But which which list gets your vote out of the four? Right now, it looks like Evan is in the lead, as of the recording right now.
1: Sure, you want me to vote? I do. Yeah. What if I would vote for none of them? Wouldn't well, vote for any <laughs> of them. All right. Doesn't surprise
0: me at all, to be honest with you.
1: Sorry about that one. It's okay. I do like Amazing Grace. Well, of course, that's a classic. <laughs> it's theologically rich, based. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. Yeah. So, so I guess with that one, you, you won.
0: There we go. There all right. Go. I'll take it. I'll take the win on that one. Because he lives is an is an older song. It, it's you know, we 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 did have a quick discussion on there. Yeah. I think toward the end of the episode, I think Simon brought up. So if Austin were on this, what would he pick? <laughs> and I think Carter chimed in pretty much immediately with, "Oh, all hymns. Like they'd be all old." And I was like, "Well, no. There might be a Gable Price song in there."
1: There might be one, and
0: and I I threw in underdressed because it's the one you sang at at church one day, and yeah, you know, I, we we you know it it'd been a different list than what we had.
1: It would have most of them would probably be psalms.
0: Yeah, okay. psalms,
1: some old hymns, a Gable Price song. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it's interesting because we I looked at that playlist, and and there is only one song on there I genuinely didn't like. Yeah. There are other songs in there. I'm like, okay, there's some problems that I have with a couple of them, but like, I can still sing them and it's yeah. fine. Uh, again, it goes back to that issue of separate the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. Like, can you do that? And and I'm finding it harder and harder to. Yeah. That being said, no Bethel on the list. There you go. So there was elevation. Wasn't there it? was some elevation. Okay. Heavy Phil Wickham. Heavy <laughs> Phil Wickham. As Simon would say, he is the amazing grace of our generation. Oh gosh, no. blasphemy! It's not. It's not what. It, it's a joke. If you had listened to the episode, you would have. I actually I'm, heard. I I'm heard not, that joke. I'm messing with you. Uh, <laughs> but no, so it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and and I, I do enjoy doing doing those types of episodes from time to time. And but today is also going to be fun. Oh yeah, but it's going to be serious. We're going to talk serious. about. Our second installment of our Modesty series and talking two. about um, being what it means to be biblically modest. Yeah. So let's, Austin, let's, let's drive the ship, man. See what we got. Let's get into it.
1: So we left off last with one of the, the number one roots being the lack of fathers. Um, the, the head protector, the umbrella effect, as you could say. And everything under that umbrella is protected by the father. So primarily talking about women because more so women than men, that a man can move out of the house, have his own place, and he is taking on that role, but that is his role. Versus the woman, if the woman doesn't move out until she's in her 20s and then gets married, that's okay, because she is still under her authority figure, under that protection, and that's what the father is supposed to be doing. Versus the the son, who's going out conquering and looking for that wife so that he can continue to, you know, take dominion, be fruitful, multiply type deal. Basically, what we're going to be going through, teach what we are about to go through. Where do we go from here? Uh, so where do we go from here? It's taking responsibility. And basically what that is, is don't get caught up in blaming others. Don't get caught up in blaming your absent father, or your father, or father figure. Don't get caught up in blaming your mother. N- number two, other men and women in the world, either Christian or non-Christian. At some point, you've got to take responsibility for yourself. And yes, we can look at these root causes, uh, the lack of fathers, the, just that type deal. But once you want to move on with your life, once you want to get deeper into this type of subject... Now it's time to just take responsibility right. for, for what you can and move on.
0: It's the idea that all problems stem from your childhood and your parents, and a lot of them do, And so there's nothing wrong with knowing that. Knowing right. we're, we're products of how we're raised, yeah. and we're products of our upbringing, and the hang-ups and the spiritually and emotionally and, and even just in a world, and even just in a worldly sense. That's a product of your upbringing. Yeah. And it's something that if there are struggles in that, if you don't didn't have the father figure, if you didn't have a, a, strong, a strong man in your life, if you didn't have a good mom, if you didn't have a good... Whatever the case may be, that's going to neg- negatively affect you. It's going to cause more struggles that other people maybe wouldn't have. Yeah. But then you have to recognize that, realize it, and and deal with it. Yeah. And And again, like Austin said, take the responsibility and understand that, hey... Yes. I I was failed by my father. I was failed by my mother. I was failed by whoever. Okay. That's why I'm struggling in this moment. Yeah. Okay. But now it's my responsibility to pick dust, pick myself up, dust myself off. Well, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit with right, the help of yeah. God. Not saying do it on your own. Right. But my responsibility. Let's go. Let's 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 move on and make good decisions from here.
1: Right. And talking talking about the good works that the Lord has presented before you, this is one of them. It is. You are fashioning your life after Christ, and in doing that, like Brad's saying, and what we're talking about is taking responsibility. You're not going to get what is it reparations when when you're wanting someone to pay you for what? Oh yeah, reparations. Reparations, yeah. That's yeah. The right word. You're not going to yep. get reparations from your parents. You're not going to get reparations from the system. You're not going to get reparations from anybody. So you just take take responsibility. And a lot of times when we're talking about male masculinity, talking about you know, true fatherhood, a man takes responsibility even for things that he didn't do. And it's just that you're stepping up, you're saying, I'm going to take responsibility for this and I'm going to fix it, even if I didn't do it. And sometimes it takes a man to do that. So, action. How do we proceed and what do we do now? Uh, Look at things such as lust. Is this the issue? Looking at lusting after or wanting to be lusted after. Uh, whose fault is it? Is it the men or is it the women's fault? We yes. look at such things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we look at such things as pride, self-serving comfort, laziness, self-aggrandizing, foppishness. Those are things we're going to be hitting on. Um, so I kind of I, I want to set the stage. I want to I want to set the stage, and I want to look at what is the human body, because again, we're talking about modesty here. So, what is the human body?
0: Well, real quick, too. Th- this is a focus of, of one of the focuses of today's episode is is the body and, and that sort of modesty. But modesty, I think we mentioned this in this last episode that modesty is, is also how you act in in your your speech and not just how you dress. And so, modesty encompasses a, a, a lot of things. Yes, a- and we are going to focus a little bit more heavily on you know the body and the lust side right. of things today, I believe, but.
1: Kind of, maybe. Kind of. So, on. okay. <laughs> we'll see Again, Austin's driving the ship, and yeah. I am along
0: for the ride. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and my mentality is, so part two, we're talking about heart. Okay, we're talking about uh, some some more root causes, and then our next one, we're going to be hounding in on actual covering, like like true, going through scripture, talking about the, the physical clothing and what that looks like. Cool. Yeah. So, setting the sage, stage of what is the human body. So, we go to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to go verse 26, 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And then down to 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then Genesis 2 7 through 8. Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man who he formed. And then Genesis 2, verse 21 through 22. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, or fashioned, and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. All right, so man is formed from dust, created from dust. Woman is formed out of man, out of the rib of a man. But what are we? We are made from the image of God. We are the image of God. So now I want to look at, are we still the image of God? Okay, well, Adam was made truly the image of God. He, He was a perfect man he was sinless but as sin entered the world through one man throughout the rest of the generations now we are images of god through sin so what does that look like
0: it's a marred image exactly, right yeah, like we re- have marred refracted, the image i guess you could say yeah, yeah. it's and, and you know I, I think most of the people that listen would would know this but in case you don't you know the image of god is not he's 5 foot 10 has a little bit too much weight on him and a beard like that—that's not what we talk about when we're talking about the image of God.
1: Oh, God has a beard.
0: Well, okay, God. God, has,
1: God no. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm you kidding. know what I mean, yeah, right? Kidding, like he's—he's
0: yeah. he's not, you know, he doesn't look like me in the sense of physically, and and we're not twins. That, right. That's not what the image of God means. It—it—it it, it goes way deeper than that. It's, its much. It's a much more spiritual. You know, it, it talks about it's your soul, it's your heart, it's your spirit that is in the image of God. It's the ability to reason, the ability to think, yeah. the ability to, to have emotions and and, and and to love and to create. Yeah. That is what we're talking about when we talk about the image of God. Yeah. Is we have some of the attributes that God has that that are not, you know, perfection and omnipresence, not right. the, you know, big ones, right? Yeah. We have some of those. I'm going to look up the term. It's either immutable. Let's see.
1: Because there's a word for it. Omniscient? Well... There's omnipresent. Well, no, there because
0: there's a different. There are two different categories of God's character or of God's characteristics. Yeah, you have those that we share with Him and those that we don't. And we don't share His omnipresence and omniscience and and omnipotence. And we right. don't share those. We share His ability to love and create. And I can't yeah, remember the names. Yeah. The two yeah, I umbrellas. Don't, I cannot I don't remember those names. I don't
1: know those. Hmm. Well, in like, if you were to present a case for God actually being a like looking like something, it would be more like Christ. In Colossians, when it says, Jesus is the expressed image of God. And then, again, whenever in Jesus's ministry, he's like, you have seen God because you've seen me. So that that would probably be the best case. But again, it's, well, God is spirit. We worship God in spirit. But there is still something to be said about, the human body.
0: Communicable and incommunicable. Ah,
1: okay. There you attributes
0: go. of God. Those are the words I was looking for. I know I'd get there. Thank you, Google. Inc- I, I knew Google that was a thing. Knows. Yeah. Cool. cool anyway, cool. so we share, when it comes to being in the image of God, we share in the communicable attributes of God. Okay. When we, that's what we talk about in when we're talking about being made in the image of God. Yeah. Again, it's not a physical likeness necessarily. Right. It is a, we share in these attributes. Yeah. We have some of these abilities. Yeah we do not share in the incommunicable attributes of God gotcha. because he is God and we are not.
1: What? I don't know. We're not Mormon? Mind, mind blowing, right? <laughs> and so today what we're doing is yes, the human body, we don't believe God looks like a man besides Jesus, which is God, but that's, you know, getting really, really deep.
0: <laughs> Get into the weeds on that one. <laughs> but
1: the point is our body is important. Yeah. The fact that every human being around the world we all have the same body types, basically. I mean, we're all yeah. human. So yeah. there is importance. Now that we're past, are we still the image of God? The answer is yes, but we're refracted. The next is, are we something more? So now I want to get into, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So, we are the temple of God. So, the the question is, are you more than just the image of God? And the answer is yes. You are much, much more. I I want to go back. I want to look at the Old Testament for a minute. Looking at the tabernacle, looking at the temple, and... Just kind of giving a, br- a brief idea of how detailed and how important these things were to God. So Exodus chapter 25 through 31, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> go through, I'm, I'm yeah. going to say you guys go through and read it. But just the things that are hit on. Um, it talks about the contributions for the sanctuary of the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant that is inside the tabernacle, uh, the table of gr- bread, the golden lampstands, The tabernacle, everything that is within it that God wanted in detail. How exactly it was to be made. The bronze altar, the court of the tabernacle, the priest's garments, the things they had to wear to go into the tabernacle, the oil lamp, everything. It just so detailed. The incense, the bronze basin, everything. So detailed. Something interesting, too, is there was the tabernacle, but then there was a tent over the tabernacle. It was like a double covering of the tabernacle. Just that extra, extra symbolism and form of even God's holiness is double covered. Right. When you go into the temple, you enter into the temple, but then the the Holy of Holies is separated. It's an extra covering. Going back to Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve realized that, you know, they had the knowledge of good and evil, they covered, but it wasn't a true covering. And then God came back and covered their whole bodies. So the covering part is it's important. So then yeah, we're gonna jump to First Corinth or First Kings and look at the temple really quick. So First Kings chapter five through eight. Again, just just the detail. Preparations for the building. Solomon builds the temple. Again in detail. The entrance for the lowest story was on the south side. So Solomon built the house and finished He lined the walls of the house on the inside with boards of cedar. And again, this is everything that God told him to do. It's detailed. Everything was detailed. Solomon builds his palace afterwards. The temple is furnished. The Ark brought into the temple. And so on and so forth. The thing is just how important God's temple is. And it's not just, hey, here's a random building. We're just going to do what we can. No. God said, this is exactly how I want it built you're going to build it this way. This is exactly how I want it to look. This is how big I want it. It was detailed and it was purposeful. And kind of on topic, kind of not. Again, we're talking about the the human body. We're talking about the 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 temple, but talking about church, talking about the actual physical place in which we go to meet as the the body of Christ. What what is your perspective on modern day churches versus how churches used to be built what what, what are your thoughts no on
0: that? I mean I think now a lot of our modern day churches are, are built for practicality mm-hmm. over over any kind of grandeur right I mean yeah. you you see a lot of the old church especially in, in the Catholic realm but you see it in, in the Protestant realm as well just a lot of ornateness a lot of a lot of decoration a lot of you know you have the stained glass you have the, the 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 pictures and the paintings and the representations and depictions of various biblical events and scenes and, and not just in the children's area where they have Noah's ark right, right. but like you know le- legitimate ornate decorations yeah. and and now you a lot of your especially your mega churches it's an airplane hangar or it's you it's know like warehouse. it's a warehouse yeah. it's 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 a convention center yeah. and and you know I, I don't necessarily have an issue as long as the gospel is being preached, but yeah, I, yeah, you, there's definitely been a shift in in this and and make it attractive to to bring people in, right? You know, that that sort of thing, as opposed to just being beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm of the mindset of going back to that. Of churches were built out of stone, and what are churches built out of now? You know, cheap pine and. <laughs> maybe some tin. Yeah. But yeah, they look like warehouses. There, there's no, no actual, I I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but the, the point of no pride taking in with building your church. Right. And the point being, it is going to last for hundreds of years and you are taking pride in what you're building. So you're going to take the time to do the stained glass. You're going to take the time to stack these things on top of each other. When you go to Peter, Peter talks about God is building his temple out of living stones. We're the living stones. And it, it is a it is a slow process. When we look at Christ talking about the kingdom of heaven, it is a slow process, like leaven. Leaven is slow. And so when you look at the the uh, church at Notre Dame in France, you know it took hundreds of years to build this thing. And they took pride in it. It was a beautiful thing until it burned down. But, you know, that's, that's beside the point, too. <laughs> but I, I, am, I am definitely of the mindset of going back to that. And, yes, we know that the, the church is not the building. It is the people, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. But if we are going to build things that are going to last for th- hundreds of years after we're dead that people are still going to be coming in and worshiping God there. Not that, that God is there, but you are the temple, yeah. but it's taking pride in your work. So I, I am definitely of the mindset and a fan of doing that.
0: Yeah. I, I like it. I'm, I, I'm just not as passionate. Oh, about yeah. it. I'm not super passionate about that. But only because the, the church is not the building, and the church right. is the people, and, and I'm, I'm there. I, but also, yeah, like there's something about going into an ornate, building that is, that is, you know, spectacular as far as what it looks, that does yeah. elicit a reverent response from you. And, well, and for
1: me, it's like, yeah, it's not for, when I go into something like that, I'm not thinking, oh, wow, you know, so-and-so worshipped here, so many people have worshipped here. I'm thinking, like, the guy who, the, the people who built and carved the stones to stack them totally had in mind...
0: That I would be here... Hundreds of years exactly, later. Yeah. yeah,
1: they put in the time so that I could be here, and then my great grandchildren could be here, right. and I'm like, I want to have that mindset, yeah, and i I that's the part that's beautiful to me, and I'm like these these people love the Lord, and these people wanted to build something that other people hundreds of years down the road, who love the Lord could be a part of as well,
0: right, absolutely, yeah no, Whereas, I think it's great. The, the but hanger, it's also the
1: churches we have now. It's like they might <laughs> last 50 years before we have to do something major to them.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and we just don't have a ton of those anymore. Yeah. Uh, we, there are, especially you, you look in like Washington, D.C. You got a couple really yep. old, or really old, nice ones. Yeah. And I'm sure they're scattered around throughout the country. But it Honestly,
1: is. Honestly, the biggest one I'd like to go do is go through France and in England. Yeah. And go look at the yeah, churches yeah. that were built like five, 600 years ago. Yeah. That'd be pretty that cool. That would be cool. Be pretty cool. Anyway. So moving on, what then do we do with this? Looking at the, the old temple, looking at, yes, our body is the temple. I want to look at, let's go first Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 through 20. And it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In your body. Glorify God in your body. Does this mean physically or spiritually? That's the question. So let's go to 2 Corinthians to answer that question. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. And then I'm going to go back and read verses 16 through 18 of chapter 6. It says, Since we have these promises, beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So, is this physical or spiritual? My answer is yes. Yeah. Yes. It is important for both your physical body and your, your soul, your spiritual body. So, go back. I'm going to read chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them, and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. So this is a physical and a spiritual thing. We are to glorify God in our body. We're to honor him in our body. So the question is, what do we do now that we know what we are? Now that we know that we are the temple of God. Well, we glorify and we honor God in it. So what does it look like actually? Physically, what, what does that look like? Clothing. Why do we wear what we wear? Leggings, short shorts, crop tops, men with no shirts, speedos, cut off shirts that are practically no shirts at all tight jeans, tight anything that shows everything, how are we honoring and worshiping God, the temple of God, the image of God, with these things that we're wearing? How is this modest in any way? So I, I want to look at pride. I want to look at the, the good versus the bad. The, looking at pride as a lot of people would say a good thing, as in, you know, you look at your son and say, well, I'm proud of you. right? Or a lot of people would say the bad, you know, being boastful and prideful. Taking pride in your appearance. That's what I want to talk about. So the the good side of being a good steward of the body and temple that God has given you versus the bad side of you are too consumed with how you look and what other people think of how you look. So the good side, I'm going to jump to Timothy. And we just went through this not too long ago. Timothy yeah. chapter two, uh, verse nine. So likewise, also, that women, sh- women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. With modesty, self-control, not with braided hair, gold or pearls, or costly attire. Adorn yourselves. We are to adorn ourselves. We are. Talking about respectable apparel. You're not supposed to look frumpy, as, as we talked about we did, in, right. in our last episode. Yep. You're not supposed to look ugly in your apparel. That's not what Paul's saying.
0: Unkempt and dirty, disheveled, stuff like yeah. that. Or,
1: yeah, Or just trying to cover everything in a way in a wrong way as in i'm gonna cover myself with a blanket completely and you can't see me right looking at like a hijab or you're just wearing just the most awful ugly things (laughs) that you can possibly think of because you're like well i don't i don't want to make anybody think that i'm prideful or or i mean anything that you want to put there but what what is the point you're the image of god Adorn yourself appropriately, adorn yourself respectfully, respectable, as Paul would say. So for women, dress feminine. That is, dress to show that you are a woman. Don't expose or flaunt or tease it, but don't dress like a box either. Now, take that for a second. Dressing like a box, what is that? (laughs) It is showing nothing of your body, which is, is a good thing, but you're not even showing curves, Okay, now looking at the distinction between curves and cleavage, it, for, for me that, that is a distinction. So, women are shaped differently. Be sure people know that you're a woman. You know, the way that men and women are shaped, looking at the, the torso of a man, um, it, you know, if you have a man that's like completely ripped, he, he's completely fit, it looks like a triangle like right. an upside-down triangle. Women are shaped more like an hourglass. That, that is the way God has made you. Now, if you are wearing a box over that triangle and you look like a box, you're, you're not showing the image of God, if that makes sense. Now, yes, if you are wearing skin tight and you can see everything, that is not proper, that is not modest, and that is not respectable either. But to wear clothes that show you are a woman, that you have a woman's body, is a good thing. It is an important thing. For men, dress masculine. That is, dress to show that you're a man. Don't expose, don't expose, don't flaunt, don't Don't explode either. Don't explode either. Don't explode, don't either. explode either. Yeah, it's messy. Either. That's messy, yeah. yeah. Don't expose. <laughs> but <laughs> it's the same premise as the women. Yeah. Don't flaunt it, don't tease it, don't be boastful in your body, either your six-pack, your arms, how you never skip leg day. But then on the other side of don't be boasting in your do- your your uh dad bod either. Right. You know the whole I, that's a big fad right now. Posting the bi- the big uh beer gut bellies and <laughs> and doing all that saying uh, asking women would they rather want the six-pack or the dad bod type deals. And it's like men aren't supposed to do either one of those. Don't be boastful in your body. Don't don't flaunt it. Don't tease it. Okay, getting into this topic of bo- with both the men and the women's side. With men, you're working out, okay? You've got the six-pack. You're shredded. Um, you're posting pictures online showing people just how much you're working out, showing people how, how ripped you are, showing them the, the definition in your arms, the definition in your legs. Are you being boastful? Are you being prideful? And my answer would be yes. Now, yes, you are to take pride in your body, as when Paul talks about beating your body into submission. And being physically fit is a good thing. It kind of goes along with your, your spiritual life as well, I believe.
0: And I think in the same vein, real quick, I think it it's okay to to be proud of the progress that you've made, right? Oh, yeah. If you did start with a dad bod and you turned yourself into a non-dad bod, yeah. like, it's okay to be like, man, I, I mean, of course, with humility, but also right. be like, you know what? This is an accomplishment. This is something to be to be proud of that I that that we did. You know, it, it's you know, we talk about taking pride in your work, taking pride in mm-hmm. in doing things with excellence. We talk about that a lot uh, as a worship team. We're talking about making sure we are playing with excellence and it sounds good with excellence because we want to do things with excellence. Same way with this, if if you are you know getting yourself in shape and you are doing better and you're you know you're. Taking care of yourself more. There's nothing wrong with saying, "Okay, this is an accomplishment that I'm going to take pride in. I'm going to do it with excellence." Yeah, it is. Like Austin said, it's what's your motive behind any kind of pictures you're posting? What's the motive behind, you know, the clothes that you're wearing? It it is. It's it's about your heart. Yeah, it it really is what it boils down to is why are you doing this?
1: Yeah. When does it cross the line of sin? This gets into a topic which we're not going to get into it. But nowhere in scripture does it talk about. The pride of God, because God has no pride. The, s- Satan had pride, and it was sinful, and he right. was cast out of heaven for it. Whenever God looks at his son, he says, I'm well pleased. He doesn't say, I'm proud of you. He says, I am pleased with you. I wonder if this
0: is a language thing.
1: <clears throat> I don't think it is. You don't think it is? Uh-huh.
0: Uh, because I'm just thinking through, because being proud of your son, being proud of, of the work you've done... I don't think it's sinful uh, of ha- taking pride in the, those things. The
1: action of it, right? But it's. But I think but there being is a distinction.
0: Boastful. And that's what I'm saying. I wonder if it's a language thing where maybe there's a better word for being proud of your child, being proud of the work you've done. Like if there is a different word for that, like yeah. you said, well pleased, maybe because where it does good pride, bad pride. You know, maybe there's just a better word yeah. for for pride in that. I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah, of. that
1: and that's something definitely to look into more because what I have seen through Scripture is. Try not to use the word pride because everywhere in scripture pride is used. It's a bad thing and it's finding a better word. Yes, yeah. When I look at my kids and I, I don't look at them and say, I'm proud of you. I'm, I tell them, I am really pleased with you. I am really pleased with you. And I'm, I'm trying to find more words to help boast that, bolster that yeah, up more, yeah, yeah. more properly. But yeah, but that, that's kind of a, a side, <laughs> side note there. <laughs> um, we, we, we do that a lot. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's fine. Where were we?
0: <laughs> showing off your so, body. So yes,
1: showing off your body with with the men who are going through that transformation. Of yeah, at what point does it become sinful? Showing people that posting it online, and yes, you're you're pleased with yourself, or as as the common verbiage would say, you're you're taking pride in your work. But at what point does it cross the line of sin? Talking about women when you're posting your progress. Showing your loss of weight, but you're posting pictures of you in a bikini or a sports bra, even talking about having children. Uh, when say you have a home birth, okay? There, there's a lot of those out there. Right. You, you have the the makeshift tub, and you're doing a water birth, and so you're in a sports bra. You don't see the bottom half, but it's implied, and you're you're seeing all these things, and or the pictures of the the, the breastfeeding baby, and sure, the head's covering the breast, but is that modest? And the answer is no. No, it's not. Again, this is something we're going to get into the, the next episode, but protecting your fellow brothers in Christ and protecting the the men that are not believers. If you're posting that online and everybody gets to see it, there there's nothing within the unbelieving man that is going to help prevent him from right thinking those things whereas the unbelieving man if that ever pops up it, it's gone no i i can't look at that the believing man not exactly the, yeah the believing man. thank you the believing yeah. man yeah but it is my firm belief based on scripture that that is not a good thing we we are not to be sharing those things granted that for me that's an intimate thing anyway right the the pictures i have taken in the the, the delivery room with my wife and my, my children that's that's for me and my wife that's not for anybody else um, you sure you'll you'll get to see maybe the first few pictures we take of the baby? Of course, but, but yeah. the baby's covered. Yeah, and in even talking about you know babies, talking about taking pictures of your children in the bathtub, you know that that's always a big thing, and people post those a lot. Sure, you might blur where the bottom is, but that is still highly inappropriate. That's that is not okay. So we need to completely reform the way that we have thought about this and and really the big deal is that we have become so desensitized to it over the past what 50 Probably 60 50 years 50 yeah 50 years yeah. yeah
0: even even looking at and this may be a tangent but even even looking at how tv has changed yes it's just since i was a kid i mean i, I you know we, we uh, carter specifically jokes about how old i am but like i'm not that old <laughs> like I'm, I'm in my 30s or i'm 34 and just looking at what's on TV now versus what was on TV in the '90s when I was growing up, yeah. and just the difference between the two is yep. astonishing. And I'm not talking like your paid channels, your HBO, Showtime, stuff like that. Those were always, you know, inappropriate oh, yeah, and, and yeah. whatnot. But I'm talking like just your normal cable television, mm-hmm. your your normal sitcoms, your normal ABC, CBS, local affiliate. Like the difference between what's on the shows now versus what what we get away with now versus that shows that desensitivity. It yes. I am guilty of being desensitized to it as well the because
1: progress, yeah.
0: It's just you're inundated with it constantly. All I mean, the all the time. In a mall uh, at Christmas time walking past Victoria's Secret, you're inundated with images that while they are not new nu- there's not nudity on the on the uh, on the storefronts. They're scantily clad women. Honestly,
1: I would go to say it is nudity. Yeah, well, okay. I would. N- nudity sure, by definition of... Sure, it's of, not showing, the yeah. as people would say, the important parts. Right. But but in all tens of purposes, it is. Yeah,
0: it it's... Or even just having... Just as, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy that's starting to kind of figure things out. Yeah. Right? Starting to kind of make their way into that realm things of... Things are changing. Yeah, of, of liking girls and, and wanting to kind of... Explore that side of the world, right? Even walking past a Victoria's Secret where there's mannequins with stuff on them, that's gonna pique their interest and their curiosity. Uh, yeah. And it's gonna it could cause issues. And and you say, Well, Brad, that's really that that how old fashioned of you, yada, yada Not really. Like it's take your 10 or 11, 12 year old boy to that store and they're gonna be staring at those mannequins. Mm-hmm. Like it's yes, it's a mannequin. There is nothing overtly sexual about a mannequin until you start putting on those Mm. those those undergarments and they make the mannequins Uh, that's fair they make
1: the the mannequins to look like a woman yeah yeah and and
0: so i'm not suggesting that they're gonna freak out and like lust over a mannequin but like it it puts the thoughts into their minds and thinking oh i wonder what this person would look like in that like imagination exactly and Imagination in the hands of a 12-year-old boy,
1: not great. <laughs> not, not, it is a dangerous thing. And again, this goes back to the father yeah. teaching his son as he grows. So by the time he gets there, he is teaching his son self-control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. and Absolutely. It's, it's and, and so, so important.
0: I don't, so again, don't hear what we're not saying. I don't want to say that the boy has no responsibility for his actions, his thought life and stuff like that. Of course he does. And we're going to talk about that, I think you said, on this next episode. Yeah about the lust side of this, yes. and, and is it a woman's responsibility to not cause a man to stumble? Is it a man's responsibility not to look at him with, with lust? Yes. Like, the answer is yes Exa- to both. Yeah, yeah. There's responsibility on both levels. So don't hear me bashing women saying, you have to be whatever. That's not what we're doing. Like, men, take responsibility for your actions and your thoughts and your eyes and what you're seeing and looking at and doing. Yep. 100%. So that, but again... You are, back to the original point, we are so inundated, like you said, with, with this sexualized culture. Yeah. I mean, there. We, we did this episode a year and a half ago or so uh, that we started with the idea of going to one topic. You know, it morphed into just talking about the evils that they're teaching yeah. our kids. Yeah. I think they even called the episode Exposing Evil. Yeah. Go back and listen to that. and And, and that will show you some of what we're talking about in this moment very briefly, we're not going to get into it like we did there, but the yeah. things they're teaching some of these kids, the things that the parents are sending their kids to yeah this idea that you're going to teach and, and you know, earmuffs over the kid's ears. If if you want to for just a second, but the, the fact that you're going to teach a six year old how to masturbate is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That should not be happening to, to teach these young children, boys and girls both to explore their own bodies and to pleasure their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Guys, there's an agenda out there. I'm sorry. They're oh, yeah. coming after your kids and they're coming at it with one of the most powerful things known to man, sex. And and yeah. Th- this modesty topic, we're not immune to that. No. As Christians as believers, we have to fight it. We have to be countercultural in this in this thing. You know, th- there are extremes you can go to on both sides. And if you're going to go to an extreme, I, man, I prefer you go to an extreme with the modesty side, right? Exactly. Like, if you're gonna, if you can't find that middle ground and find that balance that is there and exists, man, go to the extreme correct direction and, yeah. and not the extreme other direction. Yeah. But
1: yeah, err on the side of care. And <laughs> exactly. Not. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and even talking about like we were talking about media, <clears throat> like Dick Van Dyke show. When you go back and, and watch the Dick Van Dyke show, they're sleeping in separate beds. Yep. Versus now it's just straight pornography on on and again not even the 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 h b o type uh channels just normal channels they're showing they're showing uh, T- shows, tasteful
0: tasteful sex scenes but yeah quote unquote it, yeah right? quote unquote yeah
1: <laughs> mike no it, it's all it's all bad it's yeah. not a good thing yeah um so i I want to look at two things here whose body is it really so I want to go back again to first Corinthians. Chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. And I'm, I'm going to read it again. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were a slave to sin. You, you were dead. You were dead spiritually. Christ died. He bought you. You are now a slave for Christ. Therefore, your body's not your own. Whenever God looks at you and says, Do something... You say, yes, sir. When he says, jump, you say, how high? As in, you are a slave to him. You yeah. are his. It is no longer your... It's it's never been your body, because you were a slave to sin, and now you're a slave to, to Christ, which is a very good thing, if you don't know that. Maybe maybe we might do an episode on that. Oh, what, yeah. what does it look like to be a slave to yeah, Christ? For sure. Because it is a very, very good and beautiful thing. But you were bought with a price. Your Your body is not your own. Now looking at it from the perspective of a a man and a, and a woman. So yes, every body that has been bought with the blood of Christ is his. So we've established that. Now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 2 through 4. <clears throat> but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. All right, so what is this saying? A lot of people don't like this. A lot of people don't like this. But what this is saying is that my, wi- my wife, my body's hers. She's in charge of my body. Yep. And w- this this gets into d- deeper things, but the point is, my body is hers and her body is mine. We don't have rights over our bodies anymore because we are in covenant with each other, and now we have we've made that swap. It, it again, it goes into uh, children if our children <laughs> are in the room, uh, cover cover their ears, earmuffs, getting into um, having sex with yourself, masturbation, and and the the wrong of that. Say before you're married, you're having sex with yourself outside of marriage. Versus you get married and you're still doing it. Now you're taking charge of something that's not yours because it is your wife's. Same thing with your wife. You are taking charge of something that is not yours. It's your husband's. And so looking at the, the perspective and having that discussion of your body is not your own. When the wife is going out immodestly dressed, okay, and the husband doesn't like it, but the, the common thing, I think the, the, feminine, the feminist quote is, no one is to tell me what to do with my body. My type. body, my choice. My body, my choice. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not your body. Yeah. It's not your body. It's, it's God's because yeah. he bought yeah. it, but then you married a man that now it's his. But, okay, setting that... Again,
0: too, vice versa, too, by the way. Exactly. Like,
1: man, too. Yeah. But setting that to a side, okay, say you're not married yet. Do you want to be married Or, okay, say you have the spiritual gift of celibacy, and you're never going to get married because you don't burn with that desire. That is a very, very rare thing, and I've only known of one person, and his name is Paul. (laughs) (laughs) But you are a single, single man, a single woman, and you are wanting to get married. The principle still applies. For one, not your body because Christ bought you, and it is not your own. But the same premise of you are wanting to get married, so therefore you are protecting your body, you are protecting your purity for your husband, for right. your wife, for that future moment when when you get married, you can say, I have saved this body that I am now giving to you. My conjugal rights are now yours. And same for her, for you. That's the importance of staying a virgin. That is the importance of being able to keep that purity so that when you get married, that is the best gift that you can give someone. So I, I would put just as much precedent on the single man and the single woman as I would the married man and the married woman. Because the premise is still there. The the plumb line is still there, as you could say. Your body is not your own no matter what. And and keeping that in mind, um, even, again, not trying to get too, too graphic or anything, but for the man. What was the what was the big purpose for circumcision? Yes, it was a command of God. It was a sign for to separate yeah, literally set cut. Apart. Yep. Cut set apart from the Gentiles. But the physical purpose, it was so that whenever a man looked down, even when he's going to the bathroom, he looks down and he sees it. Literally that is a physical sign. He sees it and he said, I'm I'm different. I yeah. am set apart. And more intently of when the man gets into a situation he's not supposed to with a woman that is not his wife or whatever it may be, and he looks down and he sees that, it is supposed to be that instant reminder of, I am not supposed to be doing this. Right. With my sons as they grow, that is what I'm going to be teaching them because I, we circumcise our sons. Um, yes, not because we believe it saves mm-hmm. them, but it has value and it is going to be teaching them as they grow that if you find yourself in a situation that you should not be that I have taught you and God willing, the Holy spirit is keeping you from right. You look down and you see that it is the sign that is supposed to remind you right then and there, you are not supposed to be doing this because you are set apart as holy. Do not do this. And again, your body's not your own. Your body is not your own. I don't know how, how much more I could yeah. get that across. It, it's
0: So I want to kind of pause here and, and just say, you know, Yes, our culture is inundated with the sexualized, hypersexual content. It's it's everywhere, mm-hmm. and it at times unavoidable. At times, and that's where that self control comes in of being able to avert your eyes, being yeah. able to not you know give way to those thoughts and and, and whatnot. Like that that's yeah. absolutely a thing. <laughs> but also, I understand and Austin understand we both understand that like there is grace in the mess ups, obviously, sure. because it. It's such a difficult line to walk. This being sexually pure, it is such a difficult line to walk. And 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 Paul talks about fleeing from sexual immorality. Don't stand there and fight it. The one sin flee, that he says, run, from. run away from. Yeah. And and so when you find yourself in those situations, you've made that mistake. Yeah. Whether whether that was sex, whether that wasn't, whether it was going too far, whether it was with yourself, like. Whatever that case may be, and you've made that mistake, I don't want you to hear us being condemning about that as far as like condemning you, and you are just a horrible, gross, nasty, horrible, awful person because you messed that up. Right. It's a, here's why that was a mistake, and now let's move forward. Fix it. Move forward in grace. Yes. Because there is grace, and there is mercy, and and thank God for that because you know what? That woman you slept with that isn't your wife, that sin that you committed with Mm -hmm. her, Yes, that is a sin, and that is a sin that has caused you to be worthy of hell. But guess what? So was the lie I told my mom when I was thirteen. Yes. Right? Like that was a sin that allow you know, made me deserve hell. So yes, it is a different level earthly wise of sin. Because it's a different level of consequence, right? Right. That that sexual sin is a different level of consequence than lying to your parents. Yes. Like that it, it just is. But on the eternal level, on the eternal scale each sin is worthy of death. Yeah. Each sin is the same when it comes to that level of punishment and consequence. So there is grace in your mistakes. There is yeah. grace in your mess up. Doesn't give you permission to go and say, "Oh, I'm going to go do this," and I'm going to look at this porn, or I'm going to go sleep with this woman or man or yeah. whatever. Doesn't give you that permission and that freedom to do that. Oh God, will forgive me. But no, like, there—that's a hard issue. That's uh, check your salvation, bro. Like, let's. Yeah. If you have that mindset. But when, when you mess up, or if you've messed up, there is grace there, there is love there, there is redemption and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Now fix it. Now yeah. do something about it. Yeah. So what we're talking about is, why does it need to be fixed?
1: Exactly. Well, and here's the precedent of, say you are a, a young man and young woman who, yeah, yeah you mess up. You, you have sex, premarital sex, and later down the road you get married. Yeah, sure, you messed up. His mercies are new every day. Yeah do not abound in sin, so on and so forth. Uh, Have you repented for that? Go back, repent for that. Versus are you the couple that are not married, living in sexual sin? How do you flee from that? That's why when, when we get to the topic of courting, that courting is the precedent to keep you from sexual sin. It is to place boundaries so that you don't even have to run away from Right, sin. right. Versus when you're dating, you're alone with this woman. You went out to see a movie at the drive-in theater. You're the only two people in that that car. It's midnight. The next movie's coming on. Who is there between you and her? Yeah, the whole, well, keep room for God. <laughs> keep
0: room for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, you're, okay, you're yes, a, man. You're a but... sinful man and you're a sinful woman. <laughs> yeah. it's,
1: it's going to happen. Yeah. So you put boundaries there. That is you fleeing from sexual sin i even i I bring movies into it having movies that have nudity that have sexual scenes, what does fleeing look like for that for me, getting rid of the movie because as a man and and this gets into other topics too, but if you have those movies on hand and the mentality of being able to watch those things, but oh I can just fast forward or I'll just look away it's like well, no. You're not fleeing. Right. You're, you're, you're saying, I can stand and I can fight against this. And Paul is saying, no, you can't. <laughs> it is impossible. Yeah. It is an impossible thing. Absolutely. So to flee from it, flee from it, get away from it. So last, last thing, we, we talked about the good side. Okay, We talked about adorning yourself is a good thing. Uh, I want to look at the bad side. Okay, let's go 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is which in God's sight is a very precious thing. So the adorning yourself of gold costly attire, what is that? Why do we do that? Well, it's to get attention, yeah, it is. It is to bolster our own appearance so that we feel good about ourselves. It's getting into the pride of things.
0: It, it can also be, look at how much money I have. That too. It can be, look at how rich I am or how, how accomplished I am. Yeah. Because um, there's nothing wrong with a nice piece of jewelry it, sure. in and of itself. Yeah. Again, it's what's the motive behind it. Right. And are you being flashy and gaudy to, to flaunt whether it's your body or whether it's the fact that you just have a lot of money?
1: Right. Well, and, and we've talked about it before of, I do not believe a little bit of makeup is sinful. Again, what is the purpose of right. makeup? You put a little bit of eyeshadow to bolster your eyes, to, to pop your eyes. Um, if Okay, jewelry. Say you wear a, a necklace. It is to frame your face. What else are you wearing on your body that bolsters parts of your body? Right. <laughs> When we look at things like the high heel or the push-up bra, who invented those? Well, men. <laughs> men. men invented those. <laughs> you sinful know what, You know what Victoria's men.
0: Secret is, right? Ex- it's a du- he's a dude. He's a
1: dude. <laughs> exactly. But, that, but sinful men. Sinful men came up with those things yeah. to accentuate certain parts of the female body. And, and that was the wrong thing. So it's that, that line of, okay, we look at men, we look at women. Men, it is a very just prideful thing. Is a very prideful thing. You're you're boasting in your body, such and so on. Women, it is a pride thing, but it, talking about this with my wife, it it's a competitive thing. Okay. You're looking at other women, and okay, say you're a woman, and you know your husband's looking at pornography. You know your sons are being bombarded with all these things, and you are competing. With the pornography industry, you're competing with Victoria's Secret. You're competing with these airbrushed models on these magazines that are in the the aisle as you're checking out in the store. Yeah. You're competing with that because that's all men see all day. And so, there. Yes, the line of pride. You are prideful in in what you wear and how you, how you look. But then the other side of well, I have to compete with this. Right. Like how, how how am I supposed to look better than that? And again, that is something we'll we'll talk about in later episodes. It is and, episode. and there's
0: responsibility of of the men and the husbands to say no, like that's you don't have to do that. Like there yeah. there's a level of like you need to be assuring your wife. Yes. That she is gorgeous in your <laughs> eyes and that that you don't need to compete with these women on the television or in the magazines or on the computer or whatever. It goes back
1: to your daughters. Yeah. Looking at your daughters and saying, you are beautiful. Do, do not look at this over here. This is not the standard of beauty. When you're in the aisle with your son and you see the swimsuit edition in the aisle, do not be of the mindset of, Oh yeah, that's ugly. Don't look at that. That's ugly. It's like, well, no, that's actually a very beautiful thing. But
0: being misused, it is
1: being very misused, yeah. and it's being beautiful in an ugly way, yeah. if, if that makes sense. So it's being very, very cautious. Uh, one of the biggest, re- one of the biggest reasons we're not sending our children to public school with especially the internet so <laughs> on hand. Every yeah. kid in the public school has a phone. I am, I am not going to send my children into that uh, furnace chamber to <laughs> literally.
0: I was thinking hellhole, but that's.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I figured that was a little bit more vibrant there. (laughs) It's a furnace, yeah, in which your spiritual life is just going to implode. But always
0: exceptions to that rule, so don't hear us saying that. But very few exceptions to that rule.
1: The only exception, by
0: the which, by the way, even if you're not, even if even if you still stand strong in your faith in a public school, you're still exposed to all of it, all of that stuff every day. Yeah,
1: yeah. So okay, it is looking looking at the pride, looking at the comp- com- competing side, it's getting people to see you for you and not for god and and that that's what that's what we're doing that's what you're doing
0: well, that's the root of all sin, right? The root of all sin is pride is it, in the some first sin as well yeah. in some form or fashion, it is like you said just now, look at me, don't look at God look at me, look at my body, look at my physique, men and women both you know, look at me, look at me, look at me, yeah. And not like where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's not what that is. No. But that's a pride issue. Or, uh, you know, it could also be a, I can do this better than God, or I know better than his design, or I know better than than his commands. And that's a pride issue, too. And that is where, again, all of our sin comes from some form of pride where we think we know better than God, or we think we are better than God, or we think we are equal with God. It all starts, all sin, with pride.
1: Thinking you can do it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So real quick, I'm going to go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter chapter 11, verse 22. I'm going to read it and then let it soak for a second. Like a golden ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. All right, so let that sit in for a minute. Uh, yes, this is talking about women, but I'm talking about men too. But a, a beautiful woman, like a gold ring in a pig's snout, a, w- a beautiful woman without discretion is... Is just purposeless. It is and 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 it's ugly. What? Why would you see a gold ring in the nose of a pig's snout? That's not okay. <laughs> well, and,
0: and look at you know that being in the Old Testament, pigs are completely unclean. Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. you, you can't you know can't mess with pigs in the you know under the Old Covenant. <laughs> right. So yeah, absolutely. Like he was very, using very strong language for that time. In that, that
1: gold is now unclean. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it gets to. The way in which you dress, more than likely, it affects the way you're living. And or, the way you're living, your life affects how you dress. So, are you living for yourself, or are you living for God? So, real quick, Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For me, that, that that's what this all leads to. It's do not be conformed to the world. We are not supposed to look like the world. And are you dressing like everybody else? And the answer is yes. Women, are, are you dressing like the unbelieving woman? Men, are you dressing like the unbelieving men. Sure, some of the men might be dressing masculine, but it's inappropriate. Sure, the the women are dressing feminine, but in the wrong ways. Discern what is the will of God. And, and that's a big one. Um, yeah. Ephesians talks about trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And how do we do that? Well, we go back to Scripture. We go back to Scripture. What does God like? What does God not like? And for one, we know that God likes his children to be covered, which again, that is what we're going to be talking about in our next installment of this actual covering. God wants us to be covered. He covered us purposefully. We are to look different than the world. That literally, that's, that's the purpose. We are to be set apart. We are to look different. And so some people might not like this. That's fine. Um, Well, but
0: there's beauty in modesty.
1: There, and it there is, is
0: beauty and modesty, and male and female both. There, there is, you know. I, I look at, at you know, maybe the women I'm attracted to mostly, um, when, when looking for someone to date or, or court or whatever word we're going to use for that. And I am, as a Christian man, as someone who, who wants to stay pure and wants to save myself for my wife, modesty is very attractive. Yeah, her showing up on a date or, or whatever. Showing up to church, whatever the case is, wherever we meet, wherever whatever happens, and and she is dressed well, dressed feminine. Mm-hmm. You know she's a woman, but like she's modest. Yeah, she's leaving some mystery there. She's she's not accentuating all the parts and yep. and doing all the things <clears throat> that is more attractive to me than the yes, my lustful self would be like, yeah, the scantily clad's great, right? But as far as like wanting to find that partner, man. I, you don't have to flaunt everything. Exactly. You're not supposed to. Not supposed but you to. don't have to. Yeah. Right? Like guys guys like modesty. And I think girls like modesty too. We just are so
1: desensitized. Desensitized
0: to the sexual side of things yeah. that, that we we have a hard time with it. And yeah. we do. And it's a struggle. It was a struggle in Paul's day. It was a struggle in the old testament. It's a struggle today. Just the modes and the means may be a little different of how they of how it gets to our brains, right? Right. right. The struggle has been there. For millennia, yeah, and and you know it's it's that's not going to change. Oh, exactly, it's not going to
1: change. And it's interesting looking at the churches that are are all about modesty. Even looking at the churches that most of the women they cover, they cover their heads in, in prayer and in, in worship. The women in those churches are some of the most beautiful women out there. Why? My firm belief is that that's because God intended that to be the case. Yes looking at the perspective of, okay, for the, the man looking for a, a a woman from the woman's perspective of the, the whole scale, one to 10, you know, I I'm, I'm a, I'm a 10 or I'm a six. Okay. Say you're a five, say you're a five in your own mind on your wedding night. And you get in front of that man undressed. You're automatically a 20. Yeah. You're a 20. Yeah. And especially if that man has stayed pure in his eyes and his mind, and his father has taught him self control, and he has stayed away from those things. If he stayed away from those things on your wedding night, you're now a 100 out of a 10. <laughs> yeah, and that that is the purpose. That is the That's, beautiful yeah, purpose absolutely. of it. So it doesn't matter if you think you're a five or not. You're the, the scales out out of the water. Yeah. And so raising raising our sons, raising our daughters, but but raising our sons in self-control, teaching them these things, it is going to be very hard. But we are going to be placing these, these walls. Uh, I, I, it's called the garden with walls. You know, you, you're a garden with walls that no one can get into unless you let them in. And then once they get in, it's, it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful botanical garden. But when you are not dressing appropriately, you have no walls. And everyone gets into the garden. By the time that you actually have someone that you want, they come into the garden. The fruit's gone. Right. And what's the point? Yeah. So.
0: So we hope this has been encouraging. And like I said, you know, there's a lot in this episode. There's so many more rabbit trails we could go down, oh, yeah. and yeah. different things we could we could discuss with this. But I hope it's been something that's been encouraging because you know, there's grace in in the mistakes. There's grace in 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 the falling but also here's why this is important and yeah. here's why this is something you need if this is something you struggle with you need to correct course mm-hmm. you need to you need to move to the right path and and you know and continue to raise your children to, to respect the opposite sex and respect the 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 way God designed male and female yeah. their bodies what their what the purpose of, of the bodies are what the purpose of sex is and we are to teach that to our children and and then teach it to ourselves and remind ourselves of what the purpose of these things are. So anyway, uh thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate all your support. Go back and listen to the Exposing Evil episode just to kind of if if you want more info on kind of what we're talking about when it comes to like public schools and yeah. some of the things that we're our culture is doing that you may or may not know about, go back and listen to that. I think it was honestly back in like twenty twenty one we I did think that so. episode. So it's it's been it's an older one. So go back and check that one out. Uh, listen to the worship song draft. Vote on that poll if you haven't done so. We'll probably announce the winner at some point. We'll cut the poll off at some point and say, "Okay, this person won." Basically, we're waiting for my songs to overtake the rest, and then we'll <laughs> then we'll announce that I won. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, social media. We have a website as well, com. Give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify. If you feel led to, that'd be great. We're stuck on 27. We've been there for a long time. Patreon.com slash rootedandlogos to support us mm. financially. we got three sponsors. Thank you guys so much. We're going to have a plan for that money here very soon. We'll see you guys next week for episode 93. We're going to go back into 1 Timothy, yes. right? 1 oh, yes. Timothy 3. Go back into that. Maybe finish the chapter. Who knows? Probably so, not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll'll we'll, we'll get into that uh, next week until we meet again guys stay, stay rooted.
1: rooted.